I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition on Angels Radio and on the AMA 30 radio app. Swings at that one, lifts it high in the air, hits it pretty well out into right center on the warning track, and that ball is trotted here! He hit it out, it just kept carrying. You're home for the most in-depth news and insight all off-season long. And swinging is Ohapi, lifts a high fly ball, this is carrying deep out into left center, it is out of here! There's a swing and a ball that's lifted high and it's hit deep out into right field, tight to the line. And that ball is out of here. Mickey Moniak gives himself a birthday present. It's one nothing Angels. From Angel Stadium, here's your host, Trent Rush. The countdown is on until pitchers and catchers report just this show and one more before pitchers and catchers are going to be out in Tempe, Arizona, getting set for the start of Angels Spring Training. My name is Trent Rush, welcoming you to Halo's Hot Stove, part of the Angels Recap Podcast. Our Hot Stove series uh, continues here also on radio, Angels Radio AM 830 KLAA across Southern California and, of course, around the world on the AM 830 app. Plenty of ways to take in the show, plenty of ways to listen to Angels baseball, whether it be uh, shows like this, whether it be the Sports Lodge with Roger Lodge every afternoon, whether it be Angels spring training games, all of them are going to be on AM830. Uh, of course, the regular season uh, as well. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Angels baseball have a, a fun 2024 season, and we are making this our responsibility right now, and I say this the host of this show, uh, to help you be as prepared as possible for the beginning of Angels spring training. So when you're out in Tempe, Arizona, and you want to sound cool among all your friends, and you want to talk about what you heard and what you what you know about the team, you're going to say, well, I heard that you know, Nolan Shonowell said this last week, or what Mickey Moniak said, or, or Joe Adele, and how he's working on cutting down the strikeouts and improved defense, and uh, maybe what Logan O'Hoppy is doing from a leadership perspective, or how about today? Our guest, Taylor Ward, is going to be with us. Now, Taylor Ward has not addressed the media since that incident on July the 29th when he was hit by a 92-mile-an-hour sinker from Alec Manoa up in Toronto. And Taylor Ward ended up suffering multiple facial fractures, broken nose in the process. And I think about the last time I saw Taylor Ward – It was a photo of him with, I mean, you didn't even recognize him because his face was just so swollen and the injury was so severe. That is um, a very serious injury that Taylor Ward went through. And we're going to have him on in just a couple of minutes talking about what he went through talking about how he's working to get back, what kind of things he's been doing this offseason to get ready for the season, and what he's doing to be as close to normal as possible. And I already did the, I already had the interview with Taylor Ward, so I'll just give you a little sneak peek right now. And part of what Taylor was saying is that he feels normal. And we're going to have Taylor on in just a couple of minutes to talk about that because I think for Taylor Ward last year, and and this was that was really that was the injury that I, I feel like changed the Angels season. When you think about where the Angels were at that point, they had just made the trades uh, for the uh, Giolito, and the Angels were, were going all in, ready to make the push for the playoffs there within striking distance of the wild card, and hanging around. And it was the end of July. And you're feeling good. Okay, you know, the Angels, they, they didn't have the greatest chance in the world with the playoff odds were like 10%, but it's something. You, you felt like, okay, if we can just string together a five-game win streak and, and get right back into the mix, you feel like the Angels could have had a chance uh, to really make a push. I think the Taylor Ward injury not only was a blow on the field because Taylor Ward in the, the last month before he suffered that injury, was actually hitting at a very high clip. He had an OPS over 1,000 in the four weeks leading up to that injury. 
and he had just gotten his swing back, and he had been through the roller coaster start to the season, was not very good in April, was a little bit better in May, and it really wasn't until about mid-June that he started to, to really get things to click. And when they did, man, it was the Taylor Ward of old. It was the Taylor Ward, you remember, from the first half in 2022 when, when I felt that Taylor Ward should have been an all-star. And then he ends up taking that fastball to the face and has surgery on August the 5th and ends up having a, a you know a, a major procedure and that shut down the season. He couldn't travel and they didn't want him to fly because of the swelling and everything that came along with that. It was a dramatic injury. Now, uh, Taylor Ward did do an interview with The Athletic uh, in September, which provides a little bit more context as to, as to the nature of that injury. But if you wanted to look at a moment last year where you felt like the Angels' season changed, I think that there is a, a very clear demarcation and that is on July the 29th in Toronto as the Angels would end up losing that game and well then the rest ends up being history you know the Angels starting that road trip they get uh, the sweep in Detroit and then they go to Toronto and Toronto another team they're chasing in the wild card race they lose the opener you know if they can go and, and win that game in the, in the middle game of the series well, that ends up obviously not happening as Taylor Ward suffers that injury and it becomes a very different story. I think the other part of this, too, for the Angels, I think that there was an, an emotional drain that it took on the team. I mean, this is one, being around the clubhouse and talking to the guys, as, as serious as the injury was for Taylor Ward and, and seeing that happen, I mean... The Angels tried to persevere, and there were a lot of other things that went wrong. Like I'm not going to blame the Angels' downfall on, on this one incident, but I do think that this had an effect on the team. And it was also just another string, uh, just another step on a long line of injuries that the Angels had suffered over the course of the season. It's like, man, we're just starting to get it right. You're hoping Mike Trout's going to be on his way back really soon, and you know, Shohei was doing his thing at the time, and and it's like, okay, it's just starting to click. We just got Giolito. You're fired up. Let's go. Let's go make a push. And it's like, another blow. And nothing anybody can do about it. I mean, that that's the, that's the hardest part about this. It's not like any of it was controllable. But Taylor Ward ends up getting hit in the face uh, by that Alec Manoa 92-mile-an-hour sinker and uh, has had to, to go through a lot, has had to overcome uh, the surgeries, the rehab, the process. And he's been spending a lot of time in Arizona in the offseason, spending a lot of time at the Angels facility, working out, getting ready to go, and ready to hit the ground running. And he is looking forward to this spring training maybe more so than any other in his life. So we're going to hear from Taylor Ward. When we come back, we got to take a quick commercial break first. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry, we got to do it. It's part of the deal. We're going to take a break. When we come back, our conversation with Taylor Ward. My name is Trent Rush. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, Hot Stove Edition, on Angels Radio AM830 and the AM830 app. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Back here on the Angels Recap Podcast, also Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition on Angels Radio AM830 and the AM830 app. My name is Trent Rush, talking some baseball here on this Tuesday. Glad to have you along with us. Uh, by the way, before we get to this next conversation, did want to invite you to check out some of our other podcasts available at angels.com slash podcasts, wherever you're getting your podcasts already. Our most recent conversations, Mickey Moniak, Logan O'Hoppy, Joe Adele, Nolan Shawnowell was last week. The are all available there. Give those a listen if you haven't already. Okay, now it's time to get to Taylor Ward, a player for the Angels last year who had a season cut short at the end of July. We talked about the injury a moment ago. He ended up finishing 2023 uh, with a 253 batting average, which is about his career average. 14 home runs, 47 RBI, OPS plus over 100, 105. Again, a little south of his career average. Did finish the year with a 1.7 wins above replacement, but uh, for Taylor Ward, the 
end of the day, it's got to be about continued production and just staying healthy is a big thing. And we talked with Taylor about his health and a whole lot more. So here now our conversation with Angels outfielder Taylor Ward. Joined now by Angels outfielder Taylor Ward as we get set for this 2024 season. Taylor's been out in Arizona getting ready for the start of the season, and we're excited to have him on Angels Recap, the Angels Recap podcast, Hot Stove Edition. Taylor, what's going on, man? How you been? Not much, you know, just, uh, you know, like I said, getting excited again, um, feeling good, and, yeah, just uh, looking forward to start playing some games. I was, you know, there's a lot to get into on, uh, on on everything getting set for the start of this season. First and foremost, though, how's dad life been? How's it? Uh, how's how's Cameron doing these days? Uh, she's doing great. She's all over the place right now, running around. Um, she's start, starting to put in, you know, she's growing her vocabulary. That's for sure. And um, she's doing great. Mama's doing great. Everything is is going well right now. How old is she now? She's about to be 15 months. Okay. So I so, so my little girl just turned two a, a little over a month ago, and I feel like right now it's like a new word every day, which is actually like it's the craziest thing. It's so cool uh, seeing that <laughs> development. It's cool that you get to spend so much time with her, at least in the off season, in, in getting ready for the start of the year. How much are you enjoying that? Oh, it's been great. Um, you know, even with the injury and stuff, it's been, you know, a blessing just to be able to be with her every day and, watch her grow, you know, because during the season, obviously, we're out of town here and there, so, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen while you're gone, so it's been, it's been wonderful to, you know, have this full length of time with no breaks in between, and, you know, just getting to watch her every day. Taylor, we're talking on the phone right now. I wish we had a chance to, to be face-to-face because the last time I saw you uh, was a photo and you were virtually unrecognizable. How are you feeling these days uh, in the recovery process from everything you've been through? You know, thankfully, I haven't had many issues at all. You know, just really just what had happened was the worst thing. If there hasn't been any complications or anything like that. Uh, everything has been steadily just getting better and better, and uh, the Angels have, have built me back up. You know, so I'm, I'm basically back into normal lifts, normal running, swing, swinging the bat, and uh, just doing everything like a normal offseason would be right now. So, uh, yeah, very lucky, just happy it wasn't any higher or any lower and I could have had you know some major so just very blessed that everything is good and and I'll be good to go day one so have you been in the cage yeah I've been hitting in the cage since about November 15th um I actually had my last checkup in Anaheim um about a week ago now so uh yeah just everything just keep checking boxes how important was it for you uh, to, to get that time back in the cage? I mean, I, I know from going from, uh, you know, really September to all of a sudden now, or, or I guess uh, the injury before that in, in, what was it, July, and then all of a sudden you end up uh, waiting until November before you can start hitting again. How big was it for you to, to be able to get back in the cage? You know, with my swing, like the way things ended, I was actually in a good spot, so it was nice where I finally was able to swing again, I kind of picked up right back where I left off. So that's been good, and I've been able to try and build off that, uh, you know, these last few months. And, um, you know, but it, it's always good, you know, after being off for a long time to finally be able to, you know, do your craft again and, you know, just remember why you enjoy it. So um, it's been good. And, yeah, just, uh, again, really looking forward to getting some games going. For sure. Um, so you go in that in that time from uh, when you suffered your injury to then before you're able to get back in the cage again. Uh, what was it like for you during that time in in terms of trying to prepare yourself for getting ready for the next season, uh, not being able to be with your teammates down the stretch? I know obviously the season didn't finish the way anybody had hoped, but um, for you, what was, what was it like kind of being on the sidelines there and, and also knowing you were playing so well the month before the injury uh, then to have that have that be interrupted what, what what was it like in that time in between yeah I think early on one thing that happened you know I just and then having surgery just you know you kind of take day day by day every day and you know you, you don't really look too far in the future and uh, you know you just try and try and I don't know just be as calm as possible just through what you're looking at in the mirror um 
So just as time went on, you know, just things just started to slowly return to normal. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a crazy transformation from, you know, when I got hit to where I'm at now. So um, the doctor did a great job with, you know, what he, he did to be able to repair everything that had happened. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just pretty thankful. Did they, did they ever tell you how many breaks you had in there? I had three different facial fractures, and then my the left side of my nose was pretty crushed. Um, so he had to he had to go in there and, and my face. He had to put three plates in, and then my nose. He actually had to kind of balloon it out, you know, to get the structure back and get kind of like the look of the nose back where my bridge was. So um, yeah, there was definitely a lot of time where I I couldn't. He didn't want any vibration or any, like, impact or anything like that that could possibly throw off my nose. He was pretty confident about my, uh, the bridges that he put in, the braces, the plates. He was pretty confident with that, but it was really just my nose and making sure that when uh, I start running again and jogging or you know, doing those things that with the impact that, you know, your body takes, didn't want that to be adjusted. So, um, like I said, it was it was definitely been a slow, steady incline. Um, you know, from when I first showed up in Arizona to start working out again and and you know building back up. So, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm honestly just thankful that I'm I'm past that now. You know, I'm putting my helmet back on, getting in the box, and you know I'm feeling good. So just uh, just yeah, super happy and ready to go man i love hearing that and uh you know this is that time of year i mean baseball's right around the corner i always say like once the super bowl gets played it's time for baseball and uh and that's uh again coming up very very quickly here um so for you now uh getting set for the start of the season feeling like you're normal everything is everything is good coming into to the year you know from what you're telling us which is so awesome to hear do you feel like maybe coming into this spring training maybe a little different perspective on on just you know being here and enjoying uh you know being in the major leagues yeah i mean definitely never gonna take things for granted again um you know you just never know and uh just uh try and be as thankful as I can and, and live in the moment and, you know, just, just know that, you know, anything can happen to you. So, you know, just, uh, just again, very thankful. And I just want to continue to get better every day. And, um, yeah, just, I, I want to win games, you know, I, I want to be a part of it and, and contribute. And, you know, with this team, I think, you know, we can impress a lot of people. I really do. So, the young crowd that we have, I think it'll be pretty fun with those guys coming in, being to play alongside those guys. I was able to watch them on TV every game I watched. I watched um, last year, so um, yeah, I'm just super excited to get going with them and watch them do their thing. You know, you're not the first person to mention that, and you know, I think that at at this point in your career, um, I mean. A veteran at this point, former first-round pick that you know has established yourself in the major league level. You're seeing all of these young prospects that are now getting an opportunity, and you talk about watching them on TV. There does seem to be something about that group that they they they're really connected. It seems like, and and they're excited to to help kind of change the culture um, here as you know the Angels try to get back to their winning ways. What are some things that maybe you've noticed being around you know a Moniac or an Adele in the outfield, but but also like a Logan O'Hoppy and a Zach Neto? What have you been able to to maybe pick up about some of those guys' characteristics as they get set for the start of the year? I mean, first and foremost, it's it's fun to watch how. They are just, they're biting at the bit. Like, they want to get going. Like, they're like a cage animals. So, um, getting the, to be around that energy and, and just, like, the positivity that those guys bring, it's 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 motivating. So, um, to see it firsthand, I mean, uh, I haven't seen Net in a while. I've, I've seen Joe and, and Ohapi and those guys lately in the gym and stuff like that and just watching them get after it get get after it in the weight room and and 
watching them perfect their craft every day, it's impressive. And um, it's going to be fun to play alongside, like I'm saying, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. As a veteran guy, I mean, I would think, like, there, it, there's a couple different schools of thought, right? Like, you're you're a veteran, you're established, you're in the major leagues. Okay, who who, who are these rookies coming up? What, what are these guys? What are these guys saying? What do they know? Look, we've been here. We've we've proven that we have staying power in the major leagues. I know that's always been a hierarchy in baseball. It does feel like, and and you just alluded to this, a little different energy with this group. So, from your perspective, um, how much are maybe you enjoying seeing? those guys have success and, and bring a different energy. Does, does that impact you at all? Yeah, of course. You love watching your teammates have success no matter who they are. You know, especially the young guys can come up as young as they are and perform at the level that they are this early. It's, it's really cool to see. And, you know, if they stay and continue to do their thing and just imagining how much better they're going to get, you know, over the course of the four or five years. So, you know, like I said, just looking forward to getting out there with them. Um, it's cool when, whenever there's times where they can pick my brain, and, and I'm always learning myself. You know, just because I'm older doesn't mean that I can't learn something from them as well. So um, there's so much knowledge around this clubhouse, so much knowledge just around baseball in general that, you know, always having that mindset of that learning mindset and, you know, just uh, – filtering it through you know not everything's for everybody but filtering it through see if it works for you and then it does put it in the pocket if not disregard it you know so it's just it's just those those learning things and again with baseball it's it's you know it's a tough sport you know not everyone's going to be perfect every day so you know you just got to live and learn and you know just i like living in the moment so that you can do that you know just to move on from whatever happened or learn from whatever happened that's the best way to go so just trying to motivate these guys to to really just you know it's okay to fail and as long as you learn from it be all good so um yeah and i think you know like i've said for the last few years i just think staying healthy for us i think that's the yeah. biggest thing and you know getting to that point where we can we can have everybody out there on a regular basis and you know just see what we can do because that's kind of what i've been missing the last two years especially is just getting to that finish line and just seeing what we got because i feel like we never give ourselves a chance so um hopefully this year you know just everybody stay healthy get a little better and see where we're at yeah i you know what it, it's funny you bring that up because I think in, in talking with you and, and several of your teammates, it does seem like there is a internal belief about what this team can be. And I think it's a little different than maybe what people are saying on the outside. But in the room, among the guys, what is the belief like for what Angels baseball can be in 2024? I'm not sure. Um, we haven't really had much of a team meeting yet uh, where we can sit and listen talk to Skip about his his vision and the way that he wants to move forward this year and you know my biggest thing that I've taken out of everything is that we need to all be pulling on the same rope and whenever someone gets out of line we need to you know correctly hold each other accountable you know doing it in the right way you know that's a positive and and uh you know just I think that's that's the thing that I think could separate us sure. along with staying healthy i think just holding each other accountable and you know at least for hitters and the way way we think you know staying on top of the pitches that we're swinging at and you know controlling the at bat and things like that i think will be just simple things that we'd be able to do as teammates and holding each other accountable and um you know things in that area and you know i also truly believe that this is an individual game and um you have to show up every day yourself um and put it all out there i think uh it's easy every day going through this and there's times where it's it's tough to you know get over the hump but you gotta get your mind right and and tell yourself every day you're gonna show up so whatever you can do you know the guys within their process myself included every day doing what i need to do to prepare myself i'm gonna give ourselves the best chance to win just by me doing what I need to do. So you got nine guys doing that up and down the lineup. I think it's going to be really tough for that opposing pitcher that day. So doing it every day and, and holding each other accountable. 
Taylor, talking about just your swing and and the approach that you had uh, or have right now, and, and you say that you feel like your swing is right now where you left off the season, which is great when you finish the year as strong as you did. But I know that the start of 2023 was well below where you wanted to be. And, and I know in May there were some ups and downs, really middle of June on uh, a lot better. That being said, what do you feel like were maybe some of the adjustments that you had to make in the middle of last season to, to try to get out of that early season slump, to be able to to be the Taylor Ward that, that we know that you are and, and, and what you were really for, for the second half of your season last year? Yeah, it was definitely a learning experience um, with where I was and, and like coming out of spring training and then – practically hitting rock bottom at some point in there and then picking it back up, but just learning, you know, the why of why I was at the position I was at. You know, I think um, I learned a lot about definitely the mechanical side of things when things are not going well there and, and things that I can focus on moving forward this year and just making sure that I am I am play, paying close attention to these mechanical things that make me tick. Um, so I think that's just the biggest thing and, and about the last month uh, before I got hit, you know, was, uh, I think I was really finding myself again and, and being able to write these things down and, and reference them. And um, I'm going to continue to carry that all the way into this year and, you know, just uh, continue to stick with my drills and know what works. And then when I step in the box, just let that go and focus on my approach and having only one thought, keeping it simple and, you know, whatever happens after that is what it is. But um, really just making sure that my mechanics are solidified in the cage before I step into that box, I think is going to be the biggest thing for me because I guess that person gives me a lot of confidence going up there. There were times last year where, like, I would, I would be seeing the ball like a beach ball, but and then I'd be rolling it over to the third baseman. So knowing then that, that something's not right, you should you shouldn't be able to be seeing it like that, and then you know miss hitting it. So you know just learning quickly, making adjustments, pitch by pitch, and and continue just to just to iron things out and continue to get more consistent, do the things that I know I need to do. I know along similar lines, Taylor, and appreciate you sharing that with us. Cause I think that's that's really good insight. Uh, Last season, so you bat 253, hit 14 homers and 47 runs batted in in 356 at bats. So, so almost two thirds of a season, maybe not quite that. Um, you you look at the the RBI numbers, like 47 RBI to 14 homers. I mean, that, that means you're producing uh, with runners in scoring position. When you think about your approach in that sense. I mean, what is – can you take us maybe through an at-bat when you're trying to, to drive in runs versus when you come up and nobody on? Does it does it change at all? How do you see the difference of of trying to be a, a run producer versus other times when maybe you're in that, that leadoff role where you're just trying to find ways to get on base? How, how does your approach change in those scenarios? So I've noticed talking – other coaches and other philosophies and how things, even like being brought up through college and things like that. And me at the point I'm at now is I don't want to change anything from the first pitch to the last pitch I see in an at-bat. I want to stay the exact same every at-bat, no matter what. The more I feel like I change and change my mindset and try to like hook a ball to right, you know, I I feel like I get out of who I am and I just need things to happen naturally and just continue to in the box. You never know when that pitch is going to show up. It could be, Oh, Oh, it could be at any point in the bat. So always being ready to hit no matter what and doing that every bat, every bat, not changing, not, Oh, well, I got a guy on second base. I got to drive him in here. I think that's the worst thing you can think about. I think, even understand being in tune to the game, but even noticing that there's runners on and this and that, you know, don't. I think that that takes away your focus from the task at hand, and the task at hand is getting the right pitch and never knowing when it's going to show up and being ready to hit it. Like, that is where I'm at, and I think for me personally, and everyone's different, like guys that 
with two strikes, choking up, widening out, whatever you need to do with guys on, moving the runner over, whatever you need to do, if that's who you are, then do you. But for me personally, I want to do the exact same thing every single time, have the same mindset every single time, and just keep things as simple as possible instead of overthinking the situation, you know, and, and doing too much. Just yeah. want to keep it as simple as possible the entire year. You know what's interesting, too? I've, I've spoken with a lot of different hitters and guys that have had a, a ton of success, high – very high IQ guys that want no information and then other people that, that want, okay, I want everything. I want to know. I want to tr- try to figure out, you know, have the best educated guess as, as to what's coming as possible. Um, and the, again, compared to some that like, I want nothing. Like, do not tell me, let me just react. Are you one of those guys? Are you like, are you an information guy? Are you a feel reaction guy? How do you kind of approach uh, going into an at bat in that sense? Anytime I'm I'm really like a, a numbers guy with like what they're doing and these counts this and that is if it's totally outstanding like there's above eighty five percent in this count that he's going to do that I want to know that and then for me personally when I game plan I'm just looking at I watch a lot of video I like to see how the ball is after he throws it how it's kind of moving and this and that compared to other guys I've seen in person and then basically develop a game plan after that what I'm looking for uh, and try and simplify the gameplay as much as possible to basically where I have at least two or three pitches funneling into the middle of the zone. Um, you know, a lot of guys lately with like, you know, the two seam runner and then the sweeping slider, that's probably like the hardest approach to really in more with those, those types of guys. Um, but, you know, really it's, it's I personally like to go over every guy on the other team, and I have notes, and I actually brought them into the dugout with me, and I would give them to Marcus. Um, so whenever they bring in a new guy, I would have basically in my own handwriting what I'm going to do. And it it really helped kind of simplify things. And I wasn't doing that early on, early on in the year. I was trying to figure out more mechanics and going from there, but once – I kind of got going, I was able to really focus on my approaches and, and the game planning side of it. You know, and that's me, other guys, completely different. Like you said, they may want all the numbers. They, they may be able to remember all those numbers. And for me personally, I can do that. So I don't even worry about it. You know, I, you know now being as old as I am and all the experience that I have, I, I know what works for me. And as I continue to learn and get better, but um, you know, really sticking with that foundation that got me here. Definitely enjoy hearing about your process, and, and I think that there are probably again, everybody's different. And I've, I've heard Taylor, what you just said. I have heard really good hitters say the exact opposite, and I've heard really good hitters describe something kind of similar to you. It's just everybody, everybody is different, and that's uh, an interesting thing. And, and I, again, I do appreciate you kind of taking us through your process. I think it's it's beneficial. So now, as you get set for this twenty twenty. 24 spring training is you're healthy you're good you're ready to go um is there anything like coming into this camp like i want to accomplish this like i want to get this done before the start of the season or do, do you have goals do you have thoughts of what you'd like to accomplish when you think about getting set for for spring training 2024 no i have, I have trouble um kind of looking out at least in spring training you know i I have my daily process every day that I'm going to go through. Um, and as things come up, you know, I'll make adjustments. But really, I haven't thought of anything that I'm totally trying to improve on. Yeah. You know, and, and besides just steadily getting better every day. And, um, you know, I, I think I think spring training is rather long. And, you know, you just got to yeah. – I, I just I want to make it out healthy. I think that, that's my goal, make it out healthy. I think that's that's a good goal, and let's uh, let's have 162 games uh, with you in this entire outfield, and really the whole roster. If we could get as much health as possible, I think uh, would be a good good thing. Because Taylor, I, again, I'm I'm telling people, I'm telling people there is there is a belief internally with this ball club about what you guys can be, and, and just hearing you talk about some of that a little bit earlier uh, gets me pretty fired up for uh, what's to come here in 2024. Hey Taylor, seriously, thanks for the time today. 
I'm so happy to hear you're feeling great, and I can't wait to see you in person. And and I, I get what do you look different? Do you have, is your face the same? Like what's going on? Am I are you gonna am I gonna recognize you when I see you in camp? Yeah, absolutely. I've had I've had people tell me that I look a little better now. So <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if that's true, but you know there are some subtle things that you know you'll see here and there that are different. But you know for the most part, you're gonna recognize me. I'll have that same smile on my face and. You know, it, it'll, be, it'll, it. it'll be the same. It'll be the same. So. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna have to get Taylor's opinion on that to make sure that she's on board. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Okay. Absolutely, Trent. Thank you again for having me. That's Taylor Ward. I got to tell you, it is so good to hear Taylor Ward in good spirits. And I thought it was fascinating the way he was describing his approach on the offensive side and how he goes into a lot of these things. Again, the biggest thing for Taylor Ward coming into this season is going to be, you know, just just making life as normal as possible. And again, it sounds like he's there. It also sounds like he avoided something that could have been a whole lot worse than what we saw. It was, I mean, hey, it was scary to see that pitch go inside and hit him the way it did and when he left the field in Toronto how they did I mean his parents usually go to a lot of games they didn't go to that one and you know he's you know you know get trying to deal with not deal with but I mean it's just life changes being a father and, and trying to be a good husband and, and being a family man while also trying to have a baseball career and then you know life comes at you fast at 92 miles an hour and all of a sudden you have to make some adjustments and uh, go through the, the rehab process and everything from a physical side to just get back to what you can do. And we've seen Taylor Ward, when he is right, be outstanding uh, for the Angels. And this is a player that I think has a lot of potential. And just kind of the way it sets up in the Angels outfield, I think, is is something of note as well. Because you look for one, okay, the Angels did bring in Aaron Hicks, but you have, you know, Two guys that are young and talented and Joe Adele and Mickey Moniak, how do they fit in? The way I kind of see it, setting up for the Angels coming into this year, obviously Mike Trout's your center fielder. He's going to have to DH more, but he's your center fielder. You got Taylor Ward in left, and then you have a platoon of, of Mickey Moniak and Joe Adele in right with Aaron Hicks as that fifth outfielder or the extra outfielder. I think that we're going to see a lot of Joe Adele against lefties. I think we're going to see a lot of Mickey Moniak against righties. And that could be really good for both of them. Get one of their, you know, or get both their confidence up. And, you know, maybe one of those two ends up taking on a role of, okay, no, we're going to, you know, one guy beats the other out and that's now the guy. But it's going to be a, a good, healthy competition, I think, in the Angels outfield. And while Taylor Ward is proven, uh, one thing that we know about Major League Baseball, you have to continue to prove yourself every single day day. You better believe Taylor Ward has taken on that challenge and, and spending some time uh, in the clubhouse uh, even in the offseason out in Arizona in spring training uh, at the Angels facility getting that work in. You know the work never stops for these guys especially you know going through the rehab process. I mean that's tough. That People don't realize how hard that is on guys uh, just from a physical standpoint on a daily basis but you know for him to, to come back to Anaheim and get what, one checkup last week and, and like Life is good now. He's ready to roll. Man, that is so awesome to hear, and I can't wait to see Taylor Ward uh, in spring training. And even if even if I might not recognize him, he says I'm gonna. Uh, it's, he looks the same, but we'll see, man. The last time I saw him was that photo. Um, that he, I mean, he it, it was. I mean, his his nose was so swollen and bent crooked. I mean, it was. I mean, he even described it this way. It was kind of like a banana shape at a certain point, and. You know, so puffy, and, and you just—I'm I'm glad that uh, Taylor Ward is is back to normal. The Bionic Man with some of those plates in his face, uh, for um, you know, and I think that that's going to also help too. Just you know, with with the confidence of knowing that he's good, I, I think that all that is important, and, and being able to be in the cage really since November, I think, is a big deal as well. Everything that we're hearing about Taylor Ward sounds like a positive as he gets set uh, to begin this 2024 season. But you know, this Angels outfield all of a sudden feels like there is a lot of talent there and it became really crowded really quickly 
when you consider, you know, Adele and Moniac and where they're at in their careers and Ward coming off the injury and Mike Trout, and then you you add Aaron Hicks into the mix, all of a sudden, you know, the competition's going to be healthy, it's going to be crowded, and that, that's quite a bit of talent in the Angels outfield that is going to be, I think, a fun challenge for Ron Washington to try to sort out. But happy to hear Taylor is doing well, and we appreciate the time uh, that he was able to give us today. Okay, the Angels have made some other moves. Yes, they continue to add to their bullpen. We'll talk a little bit more about the bullpen when we come back and and maybe what this bullpen could look like in 2024. We will get into all of that when we return. My name is Trent Rush. You're listening to the Angels Recap Podcast and Halo's Hot Stove on Angels Radio AM830 and the AM830 app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Like, this is the time of year where it starts to get fun because it's starting to feel real now. I mean, here we are eight days out from Angels pitchers and catchers reporting here as we welcome you back to Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition. My name is Trent Rush. want to spend a little bit of time talking about the bullpen. I know that we've done that the last couple of weeks, but I do feel like it's worth addressing uh, some of the new moves the Angels have made. There was one move that they made uh, just a couple of days ago. Jose Cisnero, right-handed pitcher, 34 years old, joins the Angels bullpen. A uh, one-year, $1.75 million deal, according to reports. And uh, if you look at the numbers for Jose Cisnero on the surface, you're going to say, wait a minute. This guy had a 5.31 ERA last year in 63 games with the Tigers. What's he doing in the bullpen? Well, I think the Angels are hoping they're going to capture what they saw from Jose Cisnero when you look at his first half. And if you go from April 1st to July 2nd, and those were his first 36 appearances last year, and those first 36 appearances, Cisnero pitched to a 2.18 ERA. In 33 innings, he had 36 strikeouts. Now, he had too many walks. He had 12, and that would have been uh, probably something that would have uh, put the antenna up for maybe what was to come. But the fact that he had nine holds in that time, he had a save in there. So we've seen Cisnero at the end of games be good before opposing hitters batted just 230 against him, opposing OPS 648. So you go and you look at the first, really, more than half, first 36 games for Cisnero last year for the Tigers, that was a really good pitcher. And, you know, now... I know he didn't finish the year very strong at all. He had an outing against the Blue Jays. He gave up five runs, and his ERA kind of ballooned after. That's what happens to relievers in one start, or not one start, in one appearance where he did not record an out. He gave up five runs, and his ERA went from 2.18 to 3.55. So that, that's just kind of what happens sometimes with relievers. He had a couple of crooked numbers after that. Um, in 63 appearances, like six of them were, were struggles. The rest were actually pretty good. So you're hoping that for the most part uh, you can have a, a guy in Cisnero that can be solid for you, but he's got to stay away from, from some of those balloons. And he did have the one against Toronto. Angels are hoping that the 34-year-old can help bolster the depth for this bullpen and I think that this is a bullpen you can start to feel excited about and, and we've talked about this before Carlos Estevez who had 31 saves last year his, his first year as a closer I think that is something that is maybe not being played up enough the fact that he had never been a closer before because I know Estevez wasn't necessarily the same guy at the end of last year as he was to start the year but I think for Estevez, a full year of being the closer, I think he's going to know how to handle that a little bit better coming up and coming into this 2024 season. So I look at Estevez, I look at the Robert Stevenson move, bringing Matt Moore back. All of a sudden, those are three that you feel really solid about at the end of games that you can trust them in high-leverage situations and you feel good about 7, 8, 9. And then you have a young arm like Jose Soriano. And then you bring in a veteran like Luis Garcia, another veteran in Cisnero. Adam Simber joins the mix. Maybe Jose Suarez ends up being your long guy. We'll see. Maybe Zach Plesak ends up being your long guy here. But all of the sudden, the Angels have some bullpen depth. And then you go into the Jimmy Hergitz of the world, Andrew Wantz, who, who right now, 
are going to be fighting for a spot on the major league roster. Now, he's got an option. Wance does. Herget's got an option. Jose Marte has a couple of options that the Angels have. So you have some pitchers that may end up starting the year in the minor leagues that could still help your major league bullpen. And we all know at this point uh, how important it is to have those guys. And then, you know, we haven't even gotten to Ben Joyce, who we'll see how far his development has come. I think that's going to be an interesting one in spring training. I mean, the the fact that Ben Joyce uh, may not start the year in the major league bullpen just tells you about the depth of the bullpen, and I think that is a good thing. And you look at you look at pitchers in the Angels bullpen. Okay, so you have those guys in Wance and Herget who have options, uh, but right now the only guy that that might be slotted in there that that has options would be Jose Soriano. So again, you you kind of are, are a little bit hamstrung when it comes to trying to make bullpen decisions and, and guys riding the shuttle up and down uh, if Soriano ends up being your only guy with options but uh, when you have two others that, that may start the year in the minor leagues uh, that's good to have. For what it's worth Zach Plesak has two options Jose Suarez does not so that might be a factor as well uh, for who makes the team to start the year, who's going to open the year in the minor leagues I, again all of that is just kind of part of the business of baseball and some to keep an eye on moving forward but I think that when you think about the depth for the Angels that's an important piece to consider that the bullpen has talent even at the minor league level I mean the three names I just mentioned in Lance, Herget, and Joyce if those three are not on the major league roster to start the year I mean you look at that those are three pretty darn good relievers right there that the Angels would be leaving behind so that, to me, just tells you that, that there is more depth here than maybe what people realize. That's an interesting position battle. That's going to be fun to watch. I think the rotation in itself is going to be fun to watch, just with, you know, Detmers, Canning, Sandoval, Anderson, Silseth. Where does Plesak fit into that? Where does Suarez fit into that? It's going to be it's going to be fun watching it. Silseth, with two options remaining, um, is, is maybe the one that's got a fight. I mean, between Silseth and Suarez and Plesak, Plesak, it just kind of seems like to me that's three guys fighting for that fifth spot. I think that you can put Anderson, Sandoval, Detmers, and maybe even Canning and Inc. Certainly Anderson, Sandoval, and Detmers, but I think that we have seen enough from Griffin Canning that he's in there. He's in the rotation. So I feel pretty good about those four, and then it's going to be a battle for that fifth spot, and that's going to be a fun position battle to follow along in spring training. I think it's going to take some time to watch that develop as well. I think it's also going to be interesting to see what Angel, uh, maybe middle infielder or utility infielder, ends up getting a crack on the major league roster. I mean, Evan White, for one. I mean, if the Angels want to have some you know, backup for, for Nolan Shonawell, you could have Evan White, who I, I know has struggled to the plate throughout his career, but we know how good he is defensively, and the Angels did bring him on uh, in a deal with Atlanta. So I'll be curious to see what Evan White uh, is able to do. The Angels also brought in Hunter Dozier um, as a, a non-roster invite, so a minor league deal with an invitation to spring training. How about Kyron Paris? Where does he fit into the mix? Now, it is worth mentioning, Levon Soto was recently placed on waivers, or not placed on waivers, but he was designated for assignment by the Angels. So we'll see if anybody ends up picking up Levon Soto or if Soto ends up clearing waivers. Um, you know, that's that's another one that's a potential infield candidate. I'll tell you one guy that I really liked uh, when I had a chance to see him uh, last year was Adrian Placencia. I don't know if he's ready yet. He's probably still, you know, trying to trying to just get the double A, I think, right now. But I think Placencia is one uh, that could be kind of interesting. And then there, there's another guy in Charles LeBlanc uh, that could be a, an interesting one to follow as well. He's 27 years old, um, and we have seen him uh, get uh, at least a cup of coffee in the major leagues with Miami a couple of years ago. So he, he's cracked the big leagues before, but a, a utility player that the Angels have in their farm. So there are a handful of players down on the farm that could 
push somebody uh, like a Michael Stefanik for that utility infield spot. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Angels use the mix of Neto and Rangifo and Drury and Rendon. How does that all come into play? Um, I mean, essentially, you have four guys for three spots there, but you also have your designated hitter. Uh, I just think we're going to see a, a rotation there. I think Drury's ability to play first base, I think, matters uh, when you have Rangifo who can play second, short, and third. That's important. Um, you know, I just I think we're going to see a little bit of movement with, with some of those guys. I think that's a good thing. The versatility is good for the Angels. And that's, look, if you're going to make it Major League Baseball, you got to be able to to have that versatility. And these, those are all bats, especially like Drury and Rangifo. I, I need those bats in my lineup. And, and Rangifo, for me, might even be my, my leadoff man. Like, Drury might be my three-hitter. Like, I need those bats in the lineup. I almost don't care where they play. Um, and it, it might mean moving guys around a little bit to accommodate that. But that's what, the, what I would like to see for the Angels. And then in the outfield, we've talked a lot about this. Could be a five-man outfield. Um, is And if that's the case, that puts even more pressure on who that utility infielder is going to be because they have to be – pretty much a, almost a super you guy with the ability to play all over the infield. You need someone that's going to be able to give you a second, short, and third. I mean, that's that's kind of what the Angels have themselves in a situation with. I mean, maybe Rangifo kind of covers you there. Should the Angels go Evan White as a backup for Shawnawell, they could go that route. But uh, it's going to be kind of fun watching some of these battles in spring training. I think Perry Manassian is going to get creative for exactly how this roster is going to look. And, and that's going to be um, one of the things that we're watching very closely in spring training. Again, right now, eight days before pitchers and catchers report, it's a lot of speculation. It's a lot of guessing. It's a lot of spending time with the roster. And, okay, well, where does this guy fit in, and, and how is this going to work, and how many options are left, and, and can you move this guy here, which is all fun. It's all fine and dandy to do that right now. When you get into camp, over camp, I think some of these questions are going to end up sorting themselves out, but it's going to be something that Ron Washington's going to uh, be working hard to try to figure out, Perry Manassian, trying to do a lot of the same. So uh, it's going to be cool seeing that uh, come the start of Angels Spring Training, which, again, is right around the corner. All right, that's going to just about do it for us, for Howard Drescher and Elise Diaz. My name is Trent Rush. Thanks for being with us for this edition of Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition. We have one more episode left in our Hot Stove series. That's going to be next Tuesday, 2 o'clock on Angels Radio AM 830. And if you missed uh, the Taylor Ward interview from a little bit earlier on our show, you'll be able to check it out at the Angels Recap Podcast at angels.com slash podcast or wherever you're getting your podcasts already. While you're there, why don't you check out our interviews with Mickey Moniak, Joe Adele, Nolan Shawnwell, and Logan O'Hoppy too. Some real good stuff to get you ready to go for the start of the season. This has been Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition on Angels Radio AM 830 and the AM 830 app.